Hey beings, welcome to the Self-Serity Podcast, the podcast dedicated to providing content that contributes to our health, our well-being, and mindset by sharing resources, stories, and perspectives that can assist our self-investment journey, our mindful entrepreneurial journey, and or our financial well-being journey. Thanks for being here for the latest series on the podcast. Let's get into today's episode. The following episode is an open conversation on the topic of depression and anxiety. Only continue with this episode if you are prepared to experience the conversation outside of yourself and experience it from a different angle or perspective. All content shared today is intended to be an exercise to freely talk and is not intended to be professional advice. Only put stock in the thoughts in life that align with your self-investment goals. Today on the show, I have a special guest. I have Miss Sadie Evans. Sadie Evans is an author, a speaker, and a podcast host of Soul Food with Sadie. She's also a NAMI instructor specializing in trauma informed. This is just to name a few of the many talents. I saw so many talents <laughs> on her website, on her pages that she's involved in. But now she's a guest on the self Beauty podcast. So welcome to the show, Sadie. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Yes, thank you for being here. So before we get started, I like to have people introduce themselves because I just, I do know justice and saying who somebody is. And I would like for you to just briefly share your story. Who is Sadie in your own words? How would you introduce yourself? Well, you said author, speaker, and podcast host, and I'm someone that utilized the obstacles in my life to build a staircase to my success. And I did that really by learning the lesson and the obstacles. Awesome. So, Sadie, I'm so excited to have you here, and and I'm thankful for you being a part of my experiment. I have rolled out an experiment where I, I have a question, what caused your anxiety? What caused your depression? And this is for multiple people because I want multiple answers. And for those who are listening and decided to click on the show, I definitely appreciate you being here. And I also want to be transparent that this conversation may be a trigger. This conversation is going to be very open. It's going to be very fluid. And what I mean by that is there is no point in a conversation where it might be a lot of filters because I, when I ask guests to come on to the show, I want them to be transparent. I want them to tell a story, but I also want them to share a solution. And so this is a solution-based conversation that I want to move throughout the media. I want to move throughout our worlds, the worlds that we create for ourselves. And so I always say that we are investing our time and our mind into other people. And so if you don't have stock in whatever is said from my mouth or whatever is said from Sadie's mouth, then don't put stock in it. Don't invest your time in that and create your own story. And I just say that as a disclaimer, because I am not a therapist. I am not licensed in any way, but I do feel like we as people, we do have the power to move through conversations and through art and experiencing one another. So just to kind of make it a little less heavy, even though it will get kind Kind of. <laughs> I want to start off with a game. And so for those who have listened to the podcast before, this is the Thought ER game where the guest has no idea at all what question or phrase or thought or concept I'm going to post to them. I have seven of them. Sometimes I get these from social media posts. Sometimes I get them from websites like Reddit or Quora. They're just random sayings 
or random quotes and the guest is inspired <laughs> to have an answer and a prompt to answer that last one minute. And I have an indicator. Sadie knows my indicator. I mean, she has 10 seconds left for that particular section. And then we will move on to the first one. So Sadie, are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. Ready as I'm going to get. <laughs> These are all in the realm of depression and anxiety. So it, won't, it might not be that fun, but you can get as creative as you want, Sadie. Okay. So you don't have to okay. go with the thought, but you have to use that thought and move it to wherever you need it to go. Okay. All right. So I'm going to say the first one and then I'll start the one minute on the clock. Okay. Social anxiety versus anxiety disorder. How do you respond? One minute on the clock. Social anxiety is walking through Walmart and feeling lightheaded. Your heart start racing, your palms start sweating, and you just want to run out. But you know that you have to face it in order to go on and live a normal life. But what is normal, we don't know. Social anxiety is not being able to enjoy a networking event, but knowing that you need it to get to where you need to be in life. Oh, yeah. We use your full. <laughs> I don't think that you, know, you have to use your full minute. So you can't stop it to you can just pencil up. <laughs> OK, so what was the other one? Social anxiety and versus anxiety disorder. Anxiety disorder. Social anxiety is something that fits in the cup of anxiety disorder. Anxiety disorder has many different faces and social anxiety is just one of them. Anxiety disorder is not knowing if you're going to catch your breath. All right, good. I know, I know. <laughs> and it's no pressure, no pressure. Everyone remember, she has no idea. So she is on the spot and it's, and it's one minute on the clock. So, you know, you just, we're going through the thought ER. ER is emergency okay. from a thought. Okay, next one. Okay. Is having some kind of mental illness becoming a trend? One minute on the clock. Mental illness is becoming a trend only because people think it's okay to say my anxiety, my depression, when really they don't even have to live with it. Because if someone was living with anxiety and depression, they wouldn't want to so freely speak about it unless they conquer the many different demons that society says that mental illness is. Mental illness is becoming a trend because people don't want to speak out about what they're going through. So it makes people freely say that they're going through it too because they, again, don't know what it's really like to go through depression or anxiety or even any type of mental illness. Mental illness should not be a trend because it's something that should be taken seriously. It shouldn't be like a bandwagon. It shouldn't be just something you can jump on and jump off. Mental illness should not be a trend. All right. Next one. <laughs> I, know I like nice. this game, but I'm like... <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next one. Human beings aren't supposed to experience anxiety unless there is a legitimate threat. Most people experience a lot more anxiety than they should. One minute on the clock. How do you respond? We are spiritual beings having a human experience. And although we might not be going through that trauma at that time, anxiety comes to protect us. However, sometimes our body don't realize because childhood trauma or even adulthood, tra adulthood trauma, our body tends to not realize it can't catch up or keep up with, okay, I'm not in this fight or flight situation, so I don't have to fight. So when you feel that anxiety, just know that at first it was meant to try and protect you. But now you got to channel it to work for your good because your brain is trying to tell you there's something that you should be afraid of when you shouldn't be afraid. So to make it work for your good, you have to look at it as my body is trying to protect me and channel it to something positive. All right. Next one. 
Medication and anxiety. How do you respond? Medication and anxiety. Medication is something that can help you cope, but it only puts the band-aid on what you're going through. It only puts the band-aid on the mental illness. I feel like medication and therapy work better than medication and anxiety because although I'm getting medicated, I still need to talk about these things because all anxiety is excessive worry, excessive fear. So I still need to talk about these things or so I'm still just putting that band-aid on there and leaving it. And you know how the finger gets soggy if you leave it for too long. That is what will happen if you only medicate something that's supposed to be talked about. If you only medicate something that needs to be brought out if you only medicate something that should be tamed. All right. Next one. The role of food in the matters of anxiety and depression. The role of food. You are what you eat. For me, changing my diet and really being serious about it and losing weight and all that, just changing what I put in my mouth helped me with my anxiety because I also struggle with health anxiety as well. So when I ate things that were not good for my food, instantly my brain went into protection mode. However, because of the chemical imbalance, my brain overdid it and it made me realize these things are going to hurt your body. So now my mind, my anxiety started to assume that because of the things that I consume, now my body was being harmed. But once I started changing the way I eat, the things I put into my mouth, my mind started saying, okay, these are things that will feed my body. These are things that will help me to be healthy. So then my role with food and anxiety changed. All right. Next one. Individuals who are affected by anxiety disorders cannot just simply stop worrying or move on from the ongoing anxious feelings that is within them. One minute on the clock. How do you respond? That is true. Anxiety is not something that we sweep under the rug. Anxiety is not something that should be shameful. Anxiety is not something that you turn on and then turn off. Anxiety is something that needs to be dealt with. As I stated, medication only band-aids it. Therapy, talking about it, speaking about it, writing about it, doing things to get it out of you will help you. Planning, writing race for, reading books that help the mind and really understanding anxiety is something that will help you realize that it's not an on-again off again type of switch and it's not something that should be frowned upon and it's not something that should make someone feel like they're a weirdo or they crazy because it's not something that we can turn on and off all right and last one the judgment of people who don't understand anxiety or depression makes it difficult for people experiencing these matters to reach out one minute on the clock how do you respond silencing the shame the shame of anxiety disorder should be silenced I believe that because people have made this thing a trend, there's someone like me or someone like someone that may be listening that might struggle. And if they do reach out, they'll say, girl, get out your head. Girl, you just tripping. Girl, stop worrying so much when really this is not something that we're bringing upon ourselves. Again, that's why I stated anxiety should not be a trend because it hurts people that's really struggling. Silence the shame when it comes to struggling with anxiety so that people can get the help that they need so that we can see suicide rates decrease, depression rates decrease, addictions decrease. 
Awesome. Okay. Well, thank you. Ooh, the crowd cheers <laughs> for experiencing the Thought ER. Again, for those who are listening, she has no idea what questions or posts or topics I have. And she only has one minute on the clock. And I must say you did an excellent job experiencing my shenanigans. And you gave me a lot to work with for this interview. So I want to go off on that last piece when you were talking about friends saying, get out of your head. And that's a really important message because a lot of people find their friends to be their mini therapists or an outlet. And there's this, am I trauma dumping? Or how do I even speak to them? If you are on the other side of your, if you're not experiencing anxiety or depression, like what exactly do you say or how do you say it? What has your experience been like with your friends? Have they understood you? Have you been able to walk them through a different way to speak to you? Or just kind of tell me anything on the lines of speaking with your friends and dealing with your experience with anxiety and depression? So when I was younger, I, my friends, I didn't even understand it. So my friends didn't understand it. So they will say, smoke some weed. If I can just be honest, smoke some weed, it'll go away. But that only amplified it for me because I have a disorder, I have a mental, you know, illness. So it only amplified it for me. So what I did was I started researching. I even went to school with, I studied abnormal psychology. So I really dove deep into understanding my mind. Once I got diagnosed with um, generalized anxiety disorder, I really wanted to understand what it was. And once I understood it, I was able to tell my friends how to talk to me about it. Like I would call when I would call them. And this is as I age, instead of just dumping on them about what I was going through, I would call and I would say, hey, do you have time for me to dump? Do you have time to hear what I have to say? They say yes or no. So a lot of times they're like, no, I don't want to hear all that today. You always in your head. You always worrying. That is what led me to journal. So I began to journal my stuff and bring it out of me. And then I feel like I just start attracting people in my life that really understood mental illness and they understood how to already handle me on that level. So I will say to your answer is when I was younger and I didn't even understand it, I attracted friends that didn't understand it. As I age and I begin to understand it and I begin to really accept it and walk in it, I attracted people that understood it and that was able to help me when I was going through a crisis. Thank you for that. I want to now get into the crux of the conversation. And this is the question I will have for everyone who comes on for this series. And that is, what was the cause? In your case, we are speaking about both anxiety and depression. So I'll let you speak to the journey that you want to speak to. But what was the cause of either the anxiety or depression or the depression and the anxiety? What would you say was your cause or could you find a cause? Like as I started to age and I really started to heal, I realized that it came from childhood trauma, just being rejected, being, you know, belittled and just seeing a lot of things in my childhood and not really understanding how to process it. Again, I say our brains are meant to protect us. However, when we go through so much trauma, our mind thinks we're always going through this. So we're training our brain that we need protection at all times. So it puts our mind in overactive. And that's when, as I grew up, I started experiencing excessive worry. Is something bad going to happen or something good to happen to me? And I'm like, oh, something bad's to follow. I could never just accept good. It was always this pattern of anxiety 
what I didn't know was anxiety. I thought it was just worrying, but it was excessive. And when I went back to the drawing board and I started to heal again after I got my diagnosis, I realized that my childhood trauma led me to that place. And I did that by EMDR therapy. And then I realized that depression, once I faced this anxiety, I was like, okay, why can't I get out of bed? Why can't I shower? Why don't I want to brush my teeth? I'm a nice looking woman. I like to look nice, but there was days I would literally stink if I can be honest, because I didn't want to shower. I didn't want to brush my teeth and I didn't know where this strength, what, where did my strength go? And I realized it was because I couldn't conquer that anxiety, which led me to eventually getting on medicine, getting treatment. Now I'm not on medicine anymore because I do therapy. I'm, I take it seriously. And I haven't been depressed since then. But to answer your question, childhood trauma is what led to my anxiety. Do you feel like there was any significant start? And I say that, like, for instance, for me, I just remember... I guess the first time I understood that anxiety was a part of my life, and I'm not sure if it was actually the root cause, but when I noticed like, hey, this was anxiety was when I, it was based around religion and my relationship with God and something significant happened at that moment. And then I just remember at night during that time in my life, I was waking up anxious and I had no idea where in the world that feeling came from because it wasn't like, you know how people kind of get it mixed up when like when people are anxious like oh you know it's a lot of people here or, you know they're just, yeah. you know, just anxious but a whole feeling in your body that you mm -hmm. don't know where it came from I have never experienced that so I know that that was my starting point of saying and I didn't know that at the time but looking back I was like that's when I first experienced it and this, mm -hmm. this is this is the, the event that was happening was there any event that you can point to or do you feel like it was just a mix of a lot of different things during your childhood I think it was, okay, when I was like eight or nine, I don't remember the exact age, but I know I was like probably third or fourth grade and I used to urinate in the bed all the time. I didn't even know why I did it. I was a kid and I can remember getting spankings for it, like real life spankings. And I can remember being told that the sheets was going to be hung outside for all my friends in the neighborhood to see. And I remember that feeling in my stomach and it felt as if I lost my breath because I didn't want that to happen. And I feel like that's where it started because after that, I just remembered I kept having that feeling, kept having that feeling. I can remember my grandmother saying to me, I was 11 years old and I was in the garage and I think my dad had came to drop off um, some coats or something and there was a big argument outside and I got that feeling. And this time it's like I beat on myself and I can remember my grandmother saying, stop worrying so much, you're going to worry yourself to death. But I didn't even know, I was a kid, I didn't even know anything about anxiety back then. You know, my family did. And you know, a lot of African-American families, we don't talk about mental illness. Mental illness does not exist in our community. So I didn't understand what was going on. I just knew that feeling. And then as I got older, I mean, of course they got worse, Yeah. but I remember this, it started in my stomach. Yeah. So that's when I was like, okay, this is, it goes together. <laughs> yeah. Do you feel like the anxiety happened daily for you or do you feel like it was on and off? Like, it started to be daily. Daily? It started to be daily um, as a kid, like to the point I was biting my nails. I would like pick my hair. It was just like bad. Like I didn't even understand it. So I can remember being 18. I moved away from Nebraska and went to California because I thought that it would go away again. I didn't know nothing about mental illness. So I can remember having a panic. That was my first 
panic attack. Mm. And I literally thought I was going to die. I didn't understand it, but I didn't know what was going on. And this lady told me, oh, you must have been using some drugs. And I was trying to tell her, I never used no drugs. I don't know what's going on. My heart rate was really high. And this is when I felt depression for the first time. Something was like, jump in front of a train, just kill yourself. Because I was just really, really sad because I didn't know what was going on with me with this other stuff, this excessive worrying and this stomach. It was always my stomach. Like, I didn't know what was going on with me. And then I realized, like, as I got older, okay, something is, it's a chemical imbalance or something going on. Yeah. So, you know what? It's funny how it works like that because I used to separate depression and anxiety and they usually are grouped together. You know, it's just that with my experience, anxiety probably is like has a leading role because even though I feel like depression was just an experience that I have for a little bit, the anxiety is like consistently there. But it's so significant that I understand when there's the opportunity to move into that depression mode because of how anxiety can just be heavy, you know, and exhausting. <laughs> um, yeah. So when you fell into depression because of your anxiety, walk us through that. Like what did you do to bring yourself back from not wanting to get in front of the place that would cause your death? I really start telling my mom, um, like something is going on with me. I'm a spiritual person, so I was always in church. So I went to my church and I told them what was happening with me and we prayed. And that's when I learned about journaling. I started journaling a lot and really writing everything I felt out. I was, I call it my dump. I would start dumping my mind. And once I got older, I started getting help. Like that's all I could do. I couldn't pull myself out of it. I knew I couldn't because every time I would try, I'd be good for about a two weeks, three weeks, and then I'd be right back in this place. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to seek help. I don't care what nobody got to say about it. I'm going to break that generational curse. And we're going to speak about mental illness because I didn't want my children or people around me to really go through that. I lost a brother to Russian roulette. He killed himself. And a dream I had was he came to me in the dream. And I was down. I was in depression at this time. And I had asked him, I said, were you feeling like I'm feeling? And he never said a word out of his mouth. He just shook his head yes. And that's when I realized, like, no, this is it. I'm getting help. And that's that's wow, what pulled your, me out of Your brother? Wow. Yes. Really? Yep. So I was just like, nope, I'm pulling myself out of this. Like, I have to get help because I know I'm not going to take my life. Yeah. So did you recognize any of that before he took his life? As a kid, yeah, worrying a lot. I worried about him a lot, too, because of the things I've heard said to him and stuff. But I didn't think it would go that far. You know, we don't know about mental illness. If you don't know, you don't know. So I didn't think it would go that far where he would take his own life. But I know he rebelled a lot. Yeah. So... Mm, that has ooh, girl. I, I was I didn't know that part of your story, so I'm sorry that I'm the, I'm just kind of a little taken back by that. That's because it's so close, and I feel like yeah. I've I've spoken to people around me and my family, and we all notice that we are all experiencing these same things, and it feels like we're all going to get through it. But it's just kind of I don't know. It's something that you just have to be mindful about because I had to start having these conversations, but nobody really was talking about it. Yeah. You know, and it's like the conversation, I think is a good starting point. But another part of the conversation, it leads me back to what you said is that you went to church. And sometimes the rhetoric in church is that God is the answer and mm -hmm. you don't need anything but Jesus. 
you know, I actually just heard something like that very similar like this week. And it was surprising that that's still like kind of pushed because I feel like mental well-being and talking about these things are becoming a big thing. Like it's not brand new. It's not like people are afraid to talk about it. But in the church, because you're still in the church, right? No. No. Okay. So, okay. We in two different conversations. Okay. I want you to talk about that, but did the church have, when you say you went to church, was there anything that edified you in church or helped you really helped you when you went to church? Did you feel like prayer worked at that time that you went? Cause you said you seek the church out for a solution. Mm-hmm. What was your experience when you seek the church out for a solution? Prayer, like I am, I have a personal relationship. So prayer really helped me. Um, I was young, so I was kind of dependent on other people to get me there where I am now. But prayer, like when I was 18, just prayer and really believing that something would shift in my life, that something would change. But I realized as I grew older, like prayer is not the only thing that's going to save me. I got to get out here and do, do, do that work like I gotta get treatment like it would be foolish I call it a poverty mindset to think that God is not gonna send our help our help could be therapists our help could be psychiatrists our help could be whoever but we can pray all day I could pray for God to remove this mental illness or God to help me cope with it but if I don't go get the help then I mean that's foolish yeah I mean if you believe in God if you believe in the Bible in the Bible you know God works with medicine not against medicine so when I did go get help people like girl you don't need that you better tell that demon I'm like I just stopped talking to those type of people because you don't know what I need and if if it wasn't God ordained then why did he call people to be doctors why did he call people to be psychiatrists why did he call people even the words say all things that can mean mental illness that can mean whatever work together for the good so you know you made a really good point there and that's what I would lead with is that all things and I think people separate God from anything else in the world, right? Yeah. And I feel like, you know, God being, as God is described, there is no limitation. Exactly. You know, all these resources are here. And if God can be anywhere and everywhere, what would stop God from healing in different areas outside of just the prayer? And I don't say that to bash Christianity or to bash people who believe in God or to bash anybody, but to just really kind of open that door to belief. Like, what do yeah. you really believe in? And I feel like when you say you believe in God, you have to believe in the power of God and exactly. all the resources that God is just everywhere. You know what I mean? Yes, so omnipresent. Help, yeah. So if I'm going to church and I pray about it and it's really not happening, then you have to think about, well, what else am I supposed to do? Or does that prayer, and it gets weird because spirituality and science and it's a weird relationship, right? Because if you really believe, it's like the belief system is supposed to take you there, right? But I also feel like if we're these people who are children of God, creating these solutions in a, a different world that's probably not like heaven or not like outside of this physical world, we had to find things here, then that is the beauty of being children of God or being children of this world or children of good or however, you know, it can be played out. But um, so why made you not, why are you not in church anymore? Once I develop my own personal relationship, I feel like I kind of grew out of religion and I just felt like the church is within me. I feel like the church building um, had a lot of religious rules and I was bigger than that. I felt like once I 
figured out who God was for myself and that God is within me. And I carry that saying this, I'm not God, but I carry him within me. The word even said that. So I could speak to that thing and I can do those things. I just was like, I don't want to be boxed anymore. Like I remember a story that I would never forget. And I um, heard a pastor was at a church and he was literally having issues really having issues and had people touching and agreeing and praying with him that God will heal him. But he never went to the doctor and he dropped dead. And it was because the church made it seem as if you go seek help outside of God, then you're not of God. You're not using your faith. You're not exercising your faith. And I was just tired of it. And I was like, you know what? I can watch church on TV. I can worship and build my relationship in my home, fellowship on the phone with friends. I don't have to be present in a building to be close to God. And I haven't been back. I mean, I hope that's not bad. But Well, I mean, and I'm posing that question. You don't have to have filters you know i'm not here to say what's good or bad i feel like everyone that i have come on the show is definitely aligned with me in, in one way or the other so i want to be able to just hear your answer and if you feel like it's good or bad you know you would be the person to judge that yeah because i have very similar experiences that you have and i know we were talking about depression and anxiety but i the church question is always a part of the conversation because i feel like there's systems in place there's rules in place. There are sections of this world that actually divide us. And I think these things also contribute a lot to that conversation about anxiety and depression. And my hope was that the church would serve as a role, as a healing role. But what's happening is, is that it's becoming dangerous in some cases. Very much so. When, when you say things like that, it's like, well, that's pretty dangerous for, you know, because it's like you are just, for, it's dangerous just because you put limitations on what can happen for you. You know what I mean? And I feel like we're neglecting some of these powerful scriptures that said faith without works is dead. Yeah. You know I mean, yeah. if you have, you can have faith in God and still work your way to, you know, whatever <laughs> healing yeah. resource there is out there. And I think the opinions of that and people starting to open about these things are starting to move into the church. And I have hope for the church. I really do have hope for the church. Yes, absolutely. I feel like what my journey has been is that the church is not the problem. It's really how the people use <laughs> church that yes. the problem and how we interact with those people who use church. And I also even have a mercy or uh, I don't know if I want to use mercy, but I have an understanding that even when people have those blanket statements like, all you got to do is believe in Jesus or they have blanket statements like, oh, you're worrying too much, girl. It's because of their lack of understanding of that experience and because yes. they have a different world. And I feel like even in a case where somebody can say that, that's, I mean, that says a lot of truth to them. If they only need God, and that means they're doing good. Yeah, they're doing good. They don't need the church, honestly, because right. the church is for the sick, you know? Right. So, Or if someone says, oh, you're just worrying, it's kind of telling that they don't understand, they don't have that experience, and that's really good for them. And I feel like sometimes when people are experiencing anxiety or depression, I know it's difficult to kind of look at things from a different lens, but you kind of have to look at people who don't understand your experience as if they have a different world of experience and they just not your world and, and you don't have to be offended by it. And that's what I've learned. Yes. That. Cause I've been on both sides. I think I've been one of those people that are like, why are you still worried or why are you so depressed? And I've also been the person who experienced it. So being able to be on both sides have given me the grace. Yes. You know, so what would you say is 
your toolbox for getting yourself through anxiety or getting yourself through depression? Do you feel like it's over? Do you feel like it will ever be over for you? No, this is something that I always live with. It's it's a part of me. I'm not going to say this is something I always have to live with. Anxiety has to live with me and I'm going to make it work for my good. My books was birthed out of anxiety. My coaching business was birthed out of anxiety. My speaking business was birthed out of anxiety. My nonprofit out of anxiety because I knew that people needed to gain the understanding of it and and realize that it's not a trend. It's not something that is funny. It's not something that should be turned into a meme because people struggle and people take their life because they struggle. And until we stop making it shameful, until we stop making it something that should be hid, people are going to be afraid to talk about it and heal and really get the help that they need. So no, this is not over for me. I think it's something that will always be there, but it will work for my good. I was speaking to a friend who also experienced anxiety. We were sharing our stories with one another. And she said something that was so moving to me. And it really changed my perspective on how I spoke to the anxiety I was experiencing. Because honestly, I've had moments where I felt like it was over, you know? Mm. And then everything is good. Life is good. I know that I'm not worrying about anything, but it starts to come. Yeah. So like I might have went a whole season without it, a year. I was like, where in the world was this coming from? Um, and I kept saying it was my anxiety, my anxiety, my anxiety, my, my, my. And she shared with me that it does not belong to you. Mm holding on to it like it belongs to you and that means it's going to stay with you. And so my relationship and my story with anxiety is that it's almost like how, you know, Aunt Flo comes and visits, but yeah, goes away. You know what I mean? Like, I know that when anxiety visits, it's a visitor. When you have visitors come, you entertain it, right? That means I'm going to listen. Why are you here? Or what is it that I need to know? Like, we're going to entertain that you are here, but it's not like you're going to stay here, you know? And for me, that means means that even though it's not staying there, I know it's going to come back because you know that your auntie is going to come back. You know what I mean? Yeah. Have visitors again. You're not going to stop having visitors. But now I'm detaching myself from keeping it with me longer so that I have a different relationship and a different experience with it. Yeah. I want to. I wrote a poem about anxiety too to help people really understand it from a place of emotion. Do you have it on my? Yes. Okay, share it. Okay. It says, "Dear anxiety, when you came into my life, you destroyed my peace. You disrupted my joy and damaged opportunities that came into my life. Dear anxiety, how much longer will I have this fight? How much longer will you torment me at night? How much longer will I gasp for air as you sit on my chest and choke the life out of me? Dear anxiety, I have learned to live with you, with the fact that you will always be a part." And guess what, anxiety? I will no longer run from you. I will no longer allow you to control my thoughts or my mood. And you will no longer control my physical well-being. Anxiety, I no longer have to live with you. You have to live with me. And you will work for my good. Because all things work together for the good of those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. So yeah, anxiety, your only use was to make me better. Mm, When did you write that? Uh, 2019. Okay. And um, well... Never mind, I won't say that. <laughs> like, I don't know how people feel about that, but thank you so much for sharing it. I, do you write often? Do you have other pieces? Um, oh, yeah. I'm a writer. I'm like a real, real writer. <laughs> I know that's right, real writer. So that's, this is a good segue for you to share yourself. Share, you know, your different platforms, how people can connect with you, what you got going on. I did see you. You know what? We are literally like... <laughs> 
like uh what is it called divinely connected we are we are because i have my little journals self-investment journals and stuff like that and i see your page i was like dang like yeah like it here you know what i mean like it's it, and i it's i always find it so fascinating because i i every time i meet people i feel like i, I always see something in them that reminds me of myself because i feel like we're all one you know what I mean? Exactly. More and more, I keep seeing it. I'm like, dang, like we really are one. Like we really just- You want. know who's cut from the cloth, definitely. Right. <laughs> <For sure>. um, <laughs> and a lot of people that I meet that are really successful because I've been able to meet a lot of successful people on my journey and a lot of them struggle with anxiety. Ain't that crazy? Yes. I said, so society wants to make it a bad thing when really it was never intended to be bad. I mean, anything is bad when it's too much, mm -hmm. but in moderation is not because our intuition, people that struggle with anxiety is probably way stronger than people that don't. So I don't know because I have it. I'm not going to say struggle, but I have it. So yeah, I can feel something before it's going to take place. And yeah. And people say, oh, that's you just being anxious. And then when it takes place, people looking at me like, they yeah. like, you spoke that into, no, I felt it. Yeah, it does feel like something bigger than me, you know, like at one point, like you said, if you can distort it, like it gives, oh, this is bad or a bad feeling, whatever. But it really feels like one, you cannot be comfortable like you have so much to do. Like, cause my anxiety wakes me up in the morning. I get up really, really early in the morning and it's just almost like, I don't know that 4.30 every morning. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> I don't need no alarm clock. It's just, yeah, we gotta get up. We got stuff to do. We have things to accomplish. There's something bigger and greater inside of you. And, it's, and it feels like this because it's bigger than you. And it can't yes. really into this little human body. Well, they made exactly. <laughs> it can't. But, um, that's the truth. <laughs> human body. It's the truth. But it's bigger than you. And that's how I have accepted it. It's like, I got something to do. Yes. And it's leading me where I need to be. Like literally waking me up to say, and all I do is I wake up and I start and I start planning and I start doing my stuff. Like I literally give myself time to dance, to, to get it off me. Or if I have to sing or if I have to meditate, like, yeah, the feeling is still uncomfortable, right? Yeah, it's still, yeah. But it's almost like, all right, you have... And it's only uncomfortable because we don't understand it. It's a yeah. mystery to us. And like, and as humans, we want to understand our body. We want to control our body. And the fact that this thing is controlling us, kind of. Yeah. Because we really controlling it by getting so much done. But it's just uncomfortable. It's not comfortable. Yeah. And I think the more I have started to embrace it in a different way, the discomfort has become like lessened in a way because now I'm getting to the tools that I need quicker. Where before yes. it, it would be long and it would be drawn out and I would just go with that energy like, oh, like what's going on with me? Like, and that heaviness mm -hmm. would be so heavy. Now we done the alchemy thing. We're shifting something that appears, because who's saying that it is bad, but it appears to be bad because it's, a dis it's uncomfortable, but it really is probably the most powerful thing that's really going to change the trajectory of my life, you know? Yes. Um, and that's just what it feels like, you know? Yes. So. And I love what you do. My anxiety has led me to learn how to build website, build courses, build webinars, publish books, edit, proofread. Yes. Like 
it is really, it's a tool for me. Yeah, yeah. It is very uncomfortable, but it has really worked. Once I accepted it, when I ran from it, I was depressed. I couldn't, I was like, why me? Why me? But when I embraced it and realized I am who I am, I like to practice trauma-informed affirmations. Yeah. And when I have those excessive thoughts, I like to say, although I'm worrying about whatever it is I'm worrying about, I can handle it. I will overcome it by yeah. doing this or doing that or setting a better schedule, prepping my meals early. So I do that and it really helps me. I'm glad that you said that because that's something that I want people to know is that if it feels like it's a part of your world, you literally had to invite it into your world in a way where you reduce its intensity and it becomes like a part of who you are. And when you sharing that, you know, building websites and creating books, like, you know what, now you're giving me layer to like, oh, that's all the stuff. Like I just be doing stuff. And it really because it's because you're waking up like so early in the yeah. morning, you got so much time and also need something to do with the fact that your mind is racing. And yes. so okay, now I need to funnel it into something and then put it into something. And I, you know, I get to keep creating, 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 creating. So, you know, almost start to, you know, gain a love for it if you want to, if it's going to be here and nothing has been working because nothing has been working. <laughs> yes. Um, so when you blow up, you got enough content for people, okay? Right. <laughs> listen, listen. <laughs> More than enough. <laughs> More yes. than enough. And um, yes. you know what? This has definitely added some layer to my experience because you spoke about like all of the things that you created and I talk about how like this entrepreneurial journey or just like businesses in general are really closely related to who we are as as people. You invest in time, you invest in energy in order to create something beautiful or to create a solution, not only for yourself, but for other people, but first for yourself. Um, what can you share with people that contributed to your entrepreneurial journey that was self-investing? Like, how did your entrepreneurial journey help you invest in yourself? It made me realize that I was not going to go anywhere if I did not take time to truly heal because all of it's going to spill out eventually when you get to where you think you need to be and no door is going to open when you broken and you don't want it to open when you broken because you're going to spill out all over people and you're going to damage people and not help them. Oh, invested in my healing, invested in my education, invested in things that I wanted to learn really. I mean, it's the foundation is, is vital. It's you're not going to be successful if you don't. Yeah. I always like to ask people who are entrepreneurs how their product or their service contributes to another person's health, their well-being, or their mindset. Um, would you be able to share how your product or your service contributes to someone on their self-investing journey in either one of those categories, health, well-being, or mindset, or one of them, or all of them? So I am a certified mindset coach. So what I do is I help individuals get to the root of their limited beliefs so that they can design the life they deserve. And I help them do that by really walking them through their childhood, their adulthood, their teenhood, so that they can see where this limited belief started at so they can pull it up from the root 
And once they pull it up from the root, they'll be able to process it, refine it, and really transform it. So my program has four phases to it. And it's the root, it's the process, and it's the refining, and then it's the transformation. And in that transformation phase, you should be able to be who you are destined, what your purpose is. You should be able to know and fulfill your purpose because you have went through the things that you needed to go through to get here. You know, so I like to say the Phoenix bird, you know, you got to go through the fire so you can come out beautiful and flying one of the most beautiful birds. So that's how my product, my service can help. Awesome. How can people connect with you? What platforms are you on and what are your handles? I'm on Instagram at Sadie Mae Evans underscore coaching. And then I'm on TikTok as well. Um, Soul Food with Sadie. The podcast is available on all, all streaming networks. And on Facebook, I'm Sadie Mae Evans coaching and consulting. Awesome. So before I let you go, Sadie, I have invited you into my world. And when you come into the self-sivity world, there are these things called self-sivity statements. And for those who are listening for the first time, the self-sivity statement is, my version of an affirmation. You have your affirmation and then you have the word and and then a supporting sentence that supports your affirmation. What is the support and action that you're going to do to support that affirmation? So it could be for today. It could be for a lifetime. It could be for just this week or a month or a year or for your business, for your family, for yourself. But the goal is to have an action attached to your affirmation that you know that you can obtain, that you know is something that you can do that helps you get closer to that goal. And so, Sadie, would you share with us what your self-tivity statement is? I will fulfill my purpose as an author, a speaker, and a coach. And I will do this by authentically showing up for myself every single day, regardless of what I'm facing. Yay! It gets better each time. So I know, because I know I be talking and I talk like all around the place. <laughs> so I, don't I don't know if people even follow what I'm saying, but you did. So thank you so much. I appreciate you again, Sadie, for being here. You were a pleasure. I wish you the very, very best. I hope that we, you know, stay connected in one way or the other. I know we probably won't talk after here too often, but, you know, just know that if you need somebody to support or you have some things or you want somebody to share your stuff, I advocate for entrepreneurs who are in the space of helping people in the areas of health well-being and mindset and so you can always count on me yes and we probably should talk um outside of here we and should, we should. We, should we ride the same link, link you know so i mean two of us together can do more than one so yeah, we probably right. should stay connected yeah and i and i say that because sometimes I, I meet the most fascinating people but i think they all get so busy and that i get busy and but i do invite that into my life i do invite you know when i say hey like i'm here to know that you know i'm here if you want to connect with something you want to create something you want to support on something because that's the whole reason why i started my platform is that i felt like we weren't doing that enough for people yes um, and so you know know that i'm here okay. all right so again thank you for having me Thank you so much for being here. And for everyone who was listening, I hope there was a return on the investment of time that you spent with us today. Again, if you do not take stock in what anybody says beyond us on this podcast, if someone says something to you that you don't align with, don't put your stock into their thought or their opinion, but invest it into things that are actually going to reap you a return on your self-investment journey. Until next time, hold on to you as much as you can. Hold on to your health, your being, and your mind. Be mindful.